Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. D. Stokes. And I'm Dr. Dwight Shiley. Welcome to the Pivot Podcast. If you're new here, this is the podcast where we talk about how the church can faithfully navigate a changing world. In this series, we've been talking about how churches need to pivot today from a posture of primarily trying to fix established institutional structures to a posture of curiosity, discernment, and experimenting, which means listening. Listening is the first step in discovering how we can better love our neighbors and God. It's integral to discernment, and it's the first step in leadership as well. Churches that thrive today are churches that know how to listen to God, listen to the stories and experiences of their own people, and listen to their neighbors with compassion and love. In this episode, we are so blessed to have with us some lay leaders from a congregation in Midtown Atlanta that embarked upon some intentional listening, both within their congregation and in their neighborhood over the past year. We invited them to share what this journey was like and what they discovered along the way. So let's jump in. Welcome, Ross Nicholas and Alan King. First, tell us a bit about yourselves. How long have you lived in Atlanta? How long have you been at All Saints Episcopal Church? And what do you do most days during the week? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll jump off uh, and get us started. Uh, I live in Atlanta. I've lived here my entire life. Um, I'm in my early 50s. I married. My wife and I will be celebrating our 25th anniversary next year. I have two children, a daughter who's 20 in college in Santa Barbara, California, and a 17-year-old son who is in high school um, where we live in, in Decatur, Georgia. Well, I've been at All Saints really since about 2000, so gosh, coming on in 25 years as well. Uh, during the day, I work at Pinterest. I'm in advertising sales. I've been in advertising my entire career um, and probably always will be uh, at this point. So uh, thanks again for having me today. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Ross. And um, I, I can't, like Alan say, I've always lived in Atlanta, but I moved here when I was one. So I think that that's, that, that, that gives me an okay, uh, an, an okay in. Um, I um, have been at All Saints for, uh, let's see, I, I was married at, at All Saints um, and uh, I married my high school sweetheart there. And so that was uh, 19 years ago um, and have been a member, uh, member since then. Um, and really enjoy it, really enjoy the church, really enjoy uh, Atlanta. It's a wonderful place. And uh, with that, I have three children. So what do I spend most of my time is, you know, dealing with the three children and and <laughs> my lovely wife. And I've got some some uh, other nonprofit mission-based work that I'm passionate about that I support and care about. Uh, and then I, I uh, can do some consulting and, and collaborating as well. I really just look for ways to, to grow uh, and serve uh, in the community and with others that are like-minded wanting to do the same thing. Thank you both for, again, for being here. Um, we're going to jump right in. Uh, a team of lay leaders at All Saints began last year with some intentional listening to people within the congregation. Tell us what the focus of that listening was uh, and what what it was like. Um, how did you experience those conversations? Um, who wants to begin? So, uh, you know, what, what was the what was the process like? I, I think um 
All Saints sits in the middle of Midtown Atlanta, and it has changed significantly over the years. And so you watch a lot of buildings grow up, a lot of things have happened, and you kind of just wonder, church has a lot going on. And so it's, it's what's happening uh, in, in the world around us. Plus, there's been a lot of changes uh, with COVID and a lot of other things. So with all those that happening, I think it makes sense to, to to try to step back and understand what God was up to. And I think that was at least how it was communicated and, and how I um, began to, to participate. Yeah, and, for, and Ross is excuse me is exactly right. I think I think there was a felt sense in All Saints, just like probably any parish, that driven by the pandemic, primarily that everything had changed, right? And again, it was this felt sort of like nonverbal sense, but I think very intentionally the the goal of the of the committee was to to make that make that hurt, right, and to better understand. Okay, things have changed, but specifically how they changed and. By trying to get a new baseline for kind of where we were, it helps us better understand where we're going next. So I'm curious, what are some of the key things that you heard from people within the congregation as they shared stories of times they felt spiritually alive or things that they struggled with spiritually or things that they yearned for in their spiritual lives? Yeah, I think the dominant theme that I think we found in all of this is was I'll call it like God and community. Um, so like personal relationships, right? People talked a lot about their small groups. People talked a lot about their the core ministries that they were involved in in the church. Uh, people talked about formation practices for themselves or for their children. So I think that was maybe the dominant theme was that God is found in community. Um, and, and even when you started getting people to talk about how, you know, when they felt most spiritual alive, Usually it connected to one of those three main categories. Um, and, you know, that's that's what I heard in some of the interviews that I did. But, um, Ross, any, any builds on that? Yeah, it's funny because when you ask that question, like people's first response is, well, what are you talking about? And there's some hesitation and I, it doesn't happen or I'm not uh, really experiencing those things. And then they begin to talk and they talk about the woman they met at the grocery store or a phone call they had or uh, an email that they received out of the blue or things like that. And then they start to say, oh, yeah, like I, I did see that. Um, and I do understand and I do experience that. And so I think that was um, part of it was the the listening, but also the awakening to sort of say, OK, uh, you know, God is at work often all the time and and how how are we experiencing that and so i think that was fun for me to see those lights go on and watch the people's really sparks um and you know you'd see it individually at a table or you'd feel the the chatter across the whole room around oh yeah and it's people just sharing their stories i think that was was really really a cool thing it is cool when when your conversations moved into the neighborhood outside of your church. Tell us a little bit about that and what kind of questions did you ask? That was another thing. Well, really, we want to go out to the community and begin to have these conversations. And what if they don't believe? You know, what if they don't? What if they're not a part of the church? Or what if what if they're not engaged at all? And so setting that up was was key in kind of getting through that. And 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 Dwight and Simon did an excellent job of kind of working us through and, and helping us see that. Um, I, I think the questions were around, you know, what do you yearn for in terms of your community? You know, what what are your everyday struggles? What are you what are you focused on? Um, you know, any stories, just as we talked about, you know, same question around when are you spiritually alive? Um, 
And and for me, it was interesting. I mean, I, the conversations you're sitting in the middle of a, you know, an office lobby in Midtown having a conversation with someone around it. Um, and it, it's it's curious to, to hear their responses and say, you know, I used to feel more community or as Alan was talking about small groups and connections, the same themes sort of emerge. Well, yeah, I used to feel more in touch than I do now or I kind of wish I did or there's so much happening in terms of uh, politically or, you know, with the, the community in terms of homelessness or crime. What, what can we do about that? How can we be involved? I went to um, uh, a mosque. Uh, and had a conversation there. And that was different because it was a whole, you know, obviously a different spiritual tradition, but a whole different sort of way of thinking. Uh, and so having that conversation was interesting too, uh, just to hear different people thinking about the community and what, how it impacts them and what, what they can, should, or, or should not do about it. And I think the combination of doing both, right? The, the, the parish conversations, to me at least, in a lot of ways kind of followed this like, you know, challenge, you know, validation or challenging, right? The vast majority of the conversations simply validated what you would expect, right? People love small groups. They love the education. They love the music. They love the liturgy. They love the preaching. They love to focus on justice and on equity. They love the core ministries, right? So internally, I think the vast theme of conversations were just in a lot of ways validating what you would expect, right? Talking to the membership. Um, the challenging things that we heard from talking to the parish, like, were interesting, right? People were were yearning for more, for lack of a better word, contemplative practice, right? We heard a lot about yoga and sound baths and, you know, silence and, and introducing ways to be quiet instead of always speaking so much. Um, and then when you contrast that with the, with the non-parishioners, right, it was kind of flipped, right? Like, I think what I expected to have validated was true, right? I heard a lot of people that had some very negative perceptions about church, some very negative perceptions about religion, um, usually driven by experiences with any kind of fundamentalist background, whether it was their own individually or their perception of it. We heard a lot about the, politiz the polit politicization of religion and Christianity in particular in this country. And then I think some of the things that you heard that, that, that match things that we heard in the parish were focusing on nature and music and art and meditation and quietness. And again, yoga came up a lot in those conversations. But the thing that struck me is if you if you took away the dogma out of either one of the conversations, there was actually a lot of common ground. Um, and even people who were very anti-religion or very anti-church, almost, almost across, I never spoke with anyone who considered themselves an atheist. Uh, you know, they all would acknowledge a higher power. They would all acknowledge a perception of, you know, intelligent design, if you will. Um, but stripped it, you know, and again, you strip the dogma out and a lot of the themes were actually pretty similar, um, which to me, you know, was, was very kind of enlightening. Um, it maybe drove a little bit more optimism for where we're going as a church. I think we need to do things differently and need to approach problems in a unique way. But I think there's as much hunger, you know, with people that are in our congregation today uh, as there is for people who are outside of our congregation. And I think just doing both of these experiences helped help better kind of shine a light on sort of, kind of where we go from here. So that's really powerful. Really, I'm hearing this convergence of themes that, you know, people having some similar yearnings for connectioning, connection and deepening. Um, share a little more about, you know, that experience of listening to neighbors. I mean, that can seem kind of intimidating, perhaps, right, to go and 
and I have conversations with people who aren't part of the church, who are in the neighborhood, but to ask them actually about spiritual things, not just maybe a need that the church can can meet or ways in which the church could kind of fix the neighborhood in some way. But 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 you got into some pretty deep, deep conversations with folks. And what did it feel like to do those? And um, what did you worry about when you were maybe having those conversations, if if anything? For for me, it felt very different from your typical, I don't know, corporate networking event or neighborhood cocktail mixer or something like that, where it was more about talking and I'm concerned, what am I going to say and how am I going to be perceived and all those sorts of things. And I think it was truly listening. And so a lot of these things that they would come up in a different setting, you might, I don't know, take the bait, I guess. And so a, a, an unusual political view or something like that, where you might want to weigh in or redirect or reshape it. And here you're truly listening. Um, and here you're truly, you know, where are you coming from and what are you saying? And, 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 and how might God be working and what should I be receiving from this? And I think that was made it much different. Um, and so you have a sort of sense of spiritual wonder with it that I, need to work better and taking with me every day in every conversation um, where, where is this going? Um, and, you know, where are you leading me? And really being more of a partner in that. And I think when, when I was able to do that, it was okay. I think when I brought my own other anxieties to it, I think then it became more of a challenge. But if I truly listened and I truly accepted where it was going, then it was, it was fine. Yeah, and admittedly, it was a little awkward maybe at first, but, you know, some of it driven by training, I think just starting before asking any questions or anything, even with the outreach with via email or phone, being very clear that no one was there to, you know, prophesize, nobody was there to convert you, nobody was there to judge you, trying as much as possible to be completely neutral, regardless of what came up. Um whether it's something I agree with or disagree with, that wasn't my role. The role was purely to listen. And I think starting by saying, like, I'm not inviting you to my church. I'm not asking you to come to my church. And, you know, I'm not asking you to become a Christian, right? We're, we're, we're really powerful ways to establish trust up front and hopefully get, you know, real answers and, and true transparency for how somebody felt. Um, but I loved it. In a lot of ways, I found that more talking to non-parishioners to be a lot more powerful than parishioners. Um, and you're kind of left with a sense of like, wow, we need to do this a lot. We need to do this maybe kind of constantly, you know, that uh, maybe even having a ministry that focuses on this solely, right? Just listening to people and hearing from people. Um, because you got really, you got really good feedback and really good ideas. And even if there were things that you had to act on, right? It was just, it's helpful for the, the congregation at large to, to better understand our place within our own community. Um, because you have to understand where the community is, is starting from. Um, so, you know, while they were a little awkward, they got very, very rich and very warm very quickly. Um, because realistically, people like to talk about themselves, right? Um, and if you show up and you're genuinely interested to hear those stories, um, people I found in my experience to be, you know, very, very open and very forthcoming about their true opinions. That's really good. I want to ask a two part question. Um, share a story without divulging anyone's identity or anything, but maybe share a story about a person outside of your church when you were engaging them 
and kind of their reaction to this. Like, like I, I mean, I imagine people are like, are you serious? Like, you really want to know about me? You, you know, kind of maybe share a, 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 sto- a quick story and then share with us some themes that came out of your listening. What, like, just small themes about what you learned about your congregants and your neighbors. Yeah, I can start because uh, it's really, it kind of jumps to my mind immediately. Um, it was a woman, like a late 20 something woman uh, who lived and worked in the town. Um, and when asking about like positive experiences or perceptions of experiences of spirituality or with God, it, you know, it just, she so quickly lit up, right? Which just, you know, when somebody is sharing something that's very deep and very real to them. And like a lot of us, right, when you're asked to talk about a religious experience or a spiritual experience, words kind of fail you. But body language spoke more than the words, right? Just sharing a story of being on a hike and the sun hit a leaf in just a certain way, right? And and struggled explaining what that meant. But, but, but at the same time, being so obviously impacted and affected by that and how real that felt and that sense of kind of intelligent design. So that's more of like the positive part of the story with this woman. But the negative side is the one that never will, will leave me. And she was raised, her father was a, was a Muslim, her mother was Christian. She was raised in the northern suburbs of Atlanta, um, a, very, a generally pretty conservative place. And she just told really painful stories about, unfortunately, her father um, died when she was in high school. And she shared the most painful stories about going to high school and having her friends tell her how sorry they were that her dad was in hell. And he was definitely in hell because he did not acknowledge Jesus. And if you don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, then you go to hell. And we're so sorry, but your dad's in hell. Um, and then just, and she was crying as she told me this, and it definitely kind of impacted her and affected her in a pretty major way. Um, but also, you know, carried that even further by saying, I don't feel like I fit in, right? I've been, I, I've been to a mosque. I've been, my father was a very devout Muslim and I went to, went to services with him and she's like, I never felt like people there trusted me because I was half Christian and her mother, she would go to, you know, Christian church with her and, and same kind of thing, but the inverse, right? Like people were, were suspicious of her because of, you know, the color of her skin and her hair and the fact that she looked different. So she had this really painful sense of kind of longing for a relationship with God or with maybe even a church, but not feeling like she really fits. Um, and some of that, I think, was just behaviors that were learned and, you know, were taught to her, unfortunately. Um, and so for me, that was the, the conversation that stuck out the most and just so genuine and so um, so transparent and so thoughtful with her answers. And that's what I did have to stop myself from inviting her to my church or or, or kind of repping our parish. I'm like, well, here's all the things that we do great, you know, because um, I wanted to be true to that to that commitment of not doing that. But um, it was a, it was a wonderful conversation. She's a just as I told her at the end. I said, you're just a beautiful soul, and I so appreciate your your time sharing your your thoughts and feelings with me today. That's really great. I, I listening and I'm amusing about the matching of, of people and stories together in the various ways that the Holy Spirit is at work. It's really a really a beautiful thing. Um, I, I think for me, the 
interview process and the people that I've met with had agreed to to meet. And so the that was the foundation. So talking about spirituality and things like that were, were very much present uh, with them. And they were very comfortable, comfortable sharing that. Um, I think uh, what resonated was really the um, the comfort that one can get from being in a congregation and being in, in the formal church setting um, and then how that can quickly evaporate uh, when one say gets on a subway or it goes to the grocery store and things like that. Um, and, and the feeling that, that people had around not being connected and just feeling like a part of the machine and not really being seen or heard um, and, and feeling alone, even though they are together. Um, and I, and I think that resonated, you know, it was pretty, pretty high. And, and, um, again, I'm sitting in a, you know, in an office building and, and talking about this and people saying, I just don't really feel, you know, a part of this. I don't feel connected to it. All this life is happening around me yet. I feel somewhat disconnected and displaced from it. So I'm curious how this listening practice might have changed your understanding of church and the church's relationship to the neighborhood. Alan, you referenced, you know, we should maybe have a ministry of just doing this listening, right? But say more about, about that, you too. I mean, I think, I think for me, kind of dividing the continuing down this path of kind of parishioners and members and kind of non-parishioners and non-members, right? I, for members, I think, that, you know, our buildings, right, our liturgy, our music, our, our, our physical spaces are, are pretty important to us, right? To non-members are almost not important at all, right? It's but what really is important are the values, what we stand for. How do we how how do we love and how do we put that love into action? You know, how can we be more accepting and put that into action? Um, you know, how can we, you know, take the service that we do and, and do more of it? How can we do more outreach? And, you know, I 1000% do not have the answer, right? But I think, you know, church has existed in a parish um, environment and our environment and all saints are right? a very old, very historical, very historic church. Should, should always stay there. But just this acknowledgement that we can grow what we do, which is hopefully spreading and sharing the love of God without necessarily increasing our membership. Um, and, and I don't, and there's, you know, years worth of work to under better understand what that actually means and how we bring that to life. But, but I also heard this in my non, you know, the non member conversations around this concept of don't try to close me, you know, don't try to like, you know, bring me into the church, right? But but provide ways that I can be active in your community without having to be a member or active in your community without having to give you money or, you know, all those things. So, yeah, I think it it's it brought up a lot of the right questions without any of the answers. But I think it was a really powerful first step to, to make sure that we are asking the right questions or approaching the problem the right way because... I think church is different. I don't think it'll ever be the way it was when I was a child or even as a as an adult in my 30s, right? It's it is fundamentally different. But all the core things that are that we espouse to um haven't changed at all. You know, they're always still there. Yeah, I, I'd say it from it's really interesting because 
you know, All Saints is very much an urban church, and there are really a number of large buildings around it, and there's a subway station directly across the street from it. Um, and those buildings have grown over the years. Um, and so it, as you sit there and as we go through this process, you realize that, um, at least I do, that I really don't know much about what happens in these other buildings in terms of the individuals that go through and the work that they do and all those sorts of things. And I don't really feel that much of a connection to that. And then you realize, well, perhaps they feel the same way about me and about us and that something needs to change there. And so there's there's this 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 need to connect to all that's around you and really participate in it. And, you know, um, there's a coffee shop in the building next door. And how many times, you know, I just run in the church and hope I get there on time and then, (laughs) you know, and then hang around for a little while and then I've got to go home. And and so, you know, how often do I, do I really pay attention to what else is going on around me, Uh, whether it be on Sunday or some other day. And so I think that's the thing for me is that, it really is more than just what happens on Sunday for those few hours. It's a lot uh, about what's what's going on and, and how better to connect. And um, there isn't like an on-off switch for for God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or whatever in terms of, you know, it starts at 10 and when service is over, it's done. And I think we all know that. Um, I don't think that that's like new, but living it, being it, and being quiet enough and listening enough to allow it to be present is the thing that changes um, and the thing that is really required to, to try to connect with it and, and to be just a part of all that's going around uh, and how important it is for the church to do that. Very important. Uh, thank you for your insights. If you're listening to this conversation and thinking about what it might look like to do this kind of listening in your context, We want to offer you a free resource that may help you. We have created a spiritual life listening tool that has questions like, how would you describe yourself in terms of your religious or spiritual identity? What are some ways you find spiritual meaning in life? If you're willing, can you share a story of a time when you felt most spiritually alive, energized, or engaged? What spiritual questions, if any, are most pressing for you? These could be questions about life's purpose, meaning, God, or how to make sense of the world or your experience. You can access our free tool through a link in the show notes for today's episode. Ross and Alan, what are some things you would want fellow lay leaders or church pastors or staff to know based on your experience? What are some next steps that you might feel called to take or as you think of other churches trying to listen more deeply to their neighbors, uh, what would be your advice for them? I think one, and it came up in some of the conversations that I had with the non-parishioners, but this concept about nimbleness and churches needing to be able to quickly do things instead of perfectly do things. And some of this is driven by one of the interviews I had with a woman who was a, a member of another Episcopal parish down the street from us. And she talked a lot about this concept of nimbleness and as an example, pointed to a, a liturgy that they had put together in like three or four hours time um, that coincided with the Supreme Court uh, codifying gay marriage. And she referenced the fact that it was messy and it wasn't perfect, that it was quick, but that the church just felt this like very, very real calling to do something and mentioned that they had more people in their church that night than they'd ever had before or ever had since. And, you know, the thing that she remembered the most was she didn't, you know, the liturgy was kind of weird and a little wonky and not perfect and not as 
as crisp or as you know elegant as it could be, but nobody cared, right? They were literally just there in joy. The doors were flung open. There was they, you know, people in the yard, people on the streets and parking lots. And so I think just this idea of like being really nimble, um, and then not everything has to go through committee and not everything has to be, you know, perfect. Uh, you know, it's the concept of not being perfect, but worth it. Um, I think is really critical. Um, and then for me individually, some of the things that we heard from people about, you know, longing for more contemplative practice, I hear that same kind of call myself and it's really important to me. So for me, you know, I, I think it was kind of a wake up call, if you will, of, you know, because I am familiar with this, because I long and, and seek that too, that I need to do a much better job of bringing that more into community instead of as an individual um, in this shed that I'm in right now. Um, so for me, it was a little bit of a tugging back in the church of, you know, trying to figure out ways to make this meaningful and, and th- to use a business word to operationalize some of this stuff. Uh, cause I think there is a longing for it. There is an eagerness for it. Um, and you know, I may have something to offer and something to give. So, um, yeah, so it, it was a really rich experience, both for the church and for me individually. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if, if you start from the premise that God is already active and already working, right? And then so then it becomes, how do I connect to that? How do I engage in that? What do I need to do to be a part of what's already happening? And how can I be um, more of the, um, I guess, the means, not the end? Um, and, and so that to me is that whole idea of spiritual wonder and amazement um and and releasing yourself from doing that and releasing organizations from doing that so can we send interviews to our prisoners and ask them you know about how they feel about god and how god is acting in life yeah can we ask other individuals and organizations and people around us what they think and what they yearn for in a community of course you can um and so i think that idea of okay well let's let's go let's go do that and to alan's point it doesn't have to be perfect in doing that let's just follow it and 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 begin to do that i think is is the key and, and i think that is um uh kind of what is is helpful to be able to do um and i like your point out around the committees i mean I, I can't imagine that that's all needed to to in order to fully realize what what god is up to um because then this whole thing would look a little different um if it required committees and, and bureaucracy and so we know that that's not not the case so i think how do you tap into that and how do you be a part of that and that's what i would 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 say that folks should not be afraid to do even though it's scary Thank you so much for all of this wisdom and these insights and for being with us today, Ross and Alan. So great to have you on the show. We loved hearing about not only what you learned as you engage your neighbors in the spiritual conversations, but also what impact those conversations have had on you as well. And uh, I think this message of what you've shared is very hopeful that it's not that hard, it's a little risky, but not that hard to actually go and do these listening sessions. But what a ministry of presence and love it is to listen deeply to someone without any other agenda than simply to hear them. And I think that's a very powerful practice and you've brought it to life for us today. Thank you both so much again. Next week, we'll be exploring the pivot from membership to discipleship with a special guest whom you won't want to miss. 
This has been the Pivot Podcast signing off. This is Dr. D. And this is Dwight. See you next week. The Pivot Podcast is a production of Luther Seminary's Faith Lead. Faith Lead is an ecosystem of theological resources and training designed to equip Christian disciples and leaders to follow God into a faithful future. Learn more at faithlead.org.